Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. A city that has really been starving for a championship, and the only team that's really given this city a championship for a long time, the Buffalo Bandits, 15 years ago, they do it again. And we're going to start with that, saying congratulations, Buffalo Bandits, on this episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt, you were there in the building, Keybank Center. I was there game one. You were there game three. Absolute party, it seemed like, on TV. And it was just awesome to see. Electric atmosphere. Really, really cool. Honestly, a little anticlimactic because it was such a rout. Like right, by right, right. middle third quarter, you knew that the bandits were going to run away with it. So at that point, it just kind of felt like what I was thinking in my head, what would the thing that compares to this feel like? And obviously we're talking about a very different scale, but I always remember my dad talking about 51 to three and knowing they were going to a Super Bowl. And I know you were at that game as well. And just being like, okay, we're about to do this. So it was just kind of like building up. And then for me, it's the Patriots game. It's the wild card game against the Patriots where at halftime, you knew the bills were winning that game and it was going to be a blowout. So of course, these are different magnitude things, but if you are a big Bandits fan, really, really cool to be able to see your team go into halftime with a two-goal lead and then come out in the third quarter and just dominate and then build off of that. I'm not saying that I deserve all the credit, but in 2008, <laughs> I was there with two of my very good friends. I went back to the game on Saturday night with those same two people. And they won again. So I guess maybe if they're ever in the championship, I got to go with the same group of three guys and they'll just win and we can bet all of our money on it because we know it's going to happen. That's pretty cool. You got to see a couple championships. It's just something we haven't been able to see in Buffalo and other sports, right? I mean, obviously the Bills have never won a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. They did win, win a couple AFL titles the last couple of years of the AFL before the merger. So there are people maybe listening to this right now, watching this right now who remember that. I know I know people that remember that. Um, the Sabres have never won a Stanley Cup. They've been to a couple. We know that. But, you know, the Bandits, as much as I think, you know, lacrosse is a, what do you, what do you want to call it? A second tier below. Niche. You know, niche. A niche, niche. sport. A niche it's sport, a niche right? sport. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say it without making it sound like I, I'm not downing it at all because I think Absolutely. in Buffalo, it resonates so much. Mm -hmm. And it's my son's a lacrosse player. It just, he loves it. And it's become such a great sport around the country that's really kind of grown so much. Um, I think that even though it's a niche sport, it's really kind of become more in the forefront over the last several years, especially over the last 10 years or so at the youth levels. And now you're seeing 
these professional lacrosse players who are becoming, you know, getting uh, endorsement deals and on your TVs and people recognizing them. And it's super cool. So I love it. I love it for John Tavares as the head coach, obviously. Uh I love it for Dane Smith and everybody else uh, for the uh, Buffalo Bandits and also love it for the Pagulas and Kim Pagula, especially Matt. I think it's really cool that um, they, they have a championship. You know, I don't know enough about lacrosse and maybe this is just like a completely out there opinion, but I wonder if that because there is the National Lacrosse League and now there's the PLL, if it kind of takes away from each other a little bit because you have those two leagues, like other major sports are not dealing with that. It's not like the NFL is dealing with the NFL and then another not rival league, but another football league that is nearly at the same level, like the PLL and the NLL, I guess, depending on what person you ask, like which one is the more premier league for lacrosse? Are you somebody who's a purist and thinks that it should be played outside? Or do you like the high pace, high excitement way that it's played inside in the NLL? And for me, as somebody who's not a massive lacrosse person, like I find box lacrosse really, really exciting, really entertaining. And that's what the Bandits have done so well. It's an entertaining product. It's a fun product. Like you go to those games and you have a very good time. Regardless of your age, you're going to leave that game having a fun time. So it was really cool to see all of these people having a ton of fun and it to result in a championship and kudos to them. And you know, it's Buffalo. It's a small city. There's tons of crossover here. These guys are bills fans. There's bills fans and bills players who were at the game there. You know, they have a massive roar, a massive pop and explosion when they put McDermott and Kyrie Elam and Dalton Kincaid on the jumbotron. Same thing for Alex Tuck and Don Granado and Kevin Adams and Kyla Poso because they were there as well. And like you said, I do not want to take anything away from this, but I found myself sitting there. And this is also because it's what we do. I found myself sitting there just thinking what it would be like if they ever won a Super Bowl just or, or a Stanley Cup. But uh-huh. I just sit there and I think to myself, like, what would it be like in this city if that ever happened? It would be so cool. It was an amazing celebration to watch. I know you were there. I'm sure it was uh-huh. awesome to be there just to watch on TV, the trophy, the presentation, everybody going crazy, all the videos that are coming out from it. And you're right. The comparison to what your dad told you, to me, would be right. 51 to 3. I was there to bring it to football here, which is it was a party inside then Rich Stadium at the time, the current Highmark Stadium. And at halftime, it was 41 to 3. You knew the Bills were going to their first Super Bowl. They hadn't been there yet, right? And I remember, Matt, I always tell you, I always say this, that the the thing that resonates, resonates with me is the chance of thank you, Bills. Thank you, Bills. And Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph or Ralph Wilson. And it was a party. Everybody knew they were going to the Super Bowl. It was totally cool. And as much as it was anticlimactic, as you said, there was no drama involved. It was still unbelievable because afterwards, everybody just had a great time hugging each other. And the the and the beer was flowing, but I was a senior yeah. in high school. So the beer wasn't flowing with me. You know what I mean? So, But the beer was flowing uh, for that. Hey, did you real quick, did you have uh, lacrosse in high school at Niagara Wheatfield? Oh, yeah. We, well, Wheatfield, the Niagara Wheatfield High School is directly across the street from a reservation. So we have very good lacrosse just because obviously lacrosse to Native Americans means so much more than to a lot of people. So, yeah, we always had a very good team. When I was growing up, the other teams that I remember that were very good were Hamburg, and I still believe they are good, and Orchard Park. Those were like the teams that kind of Wheatfields competed against. But, yeah, Wheatfields 
very legit. Like a lot of guy, a lot of guys that I went to high school with played collegiately. A couple at Syracuse and a couple all over the Love country it. and stuff. Well, I did not know anything about lacrosse until I got to Syracuse. Believe it or not, I yeah. grew up, we did not have lacrosse really much in high school at all in Buffalo, especially anything outside of the really big high schools. And I went to a smaller high school, Cleveland Hill and Cheektowaga. We didn't have lacrosse, but when mm-hmm. I got to Syracuse and they were so good, and that's Gary and Paul Gate, and you know they're winning national championships, and you're like, oh my god, this is an amazing game. And I have to tell you. Once I saw that game, I'm like, I think this would have been my game. Like, I'm shorter. I'm faster. I'm not the tallest dude. I'm I'm fast. I'm coordinated. All uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Like, I think that would have been my game. But you know what? I, I guess I missed the boat. I was too early. So we didn't have it. Just make it Max's game. Hopefully it, it becomes Max's good. game then. And then Max's you can, fun. you know, watch him go up the ranks and just get attacked by people <laughs> with metal poles as he's running down the field. These guys just beat the crap out of each other. It's incredible. Well, we have uh, we've done that. Buffalo Youth Lacrosse does a really good job, but a lot of youth lacrosse places around the uh, area do. All right, it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, congratulations to the Buffalo Bandits. Awesome, their fifth championship, one for the thumb, all right? Fifth championship for the Buffalo Bandits. The Buffalo Bills making news the same day as uh-huh. they sign or at least reportedly agree to a contract extension with defensive tackle Ed Oliver. At the time of us recording right now, here it is on Sunday evening, the Bills have yet to announce the extension. I'm sure that it will happen at some point. Yes. So it is just a report right now from several NFL insiders, including Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and others. The numbers from Schefter are four years, 68 million, 45 guaranteed. We don't know how that breaks down. We'll talk yep. about all of that in a minute and what it all means. But let's just go with your initial reaction to Ed Oliver gets a contract extension. When you saw that, how did it hit you, Matt? Surprised was not anticipating this news at all. Usually when these deals happen, you're kind of like, okay, I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. I think of the other like big extensions that have happened for the Bills the last several years. And I think of Josh Allen happening. Like we always knew Josh was getting a contract. Stefan Diggs happening. We always knew a, a Diggs extension was coming. Milano, like we didn't know it was going to happen, but then when it did, it was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Ed Oliver was a player I think a lot of Bills fans had kind of moved on from. And for him to now be here through 2025 caught me by surprise. I'm not saying it's a bad move by any stretch. I think he's a really good player. I think Ed Oliver is an overlooked and underappreciated player by a lot of people. That being said, it's a lot of money. And I know how it compares to other interior defensive linemen. And it's kind of, we have to see all the figures yet. And we don't know those at this moment. I know it's kind of like a middle of the road. Okay. Like you're a really good player in the league, but you're not the best of the best. It's just a lot of money to be tied up to a guy who has flashed, but who has not consistently been that dominant force in the middle of the defensive line that I think we both think he's capable of doing. I agree with that. I think I agree with pretty much everything you said, as far as the surprise angle to it. And the biggest reason why I was surprised is because I don't think he's I don't think to this point the Bills have felt that he earned an extension, that they wanted to see him play out his final year, then they'll deal with it, right? And if he plays incredible, they can always franchise tag him. They can find a way to an extension then. Um, There were some things on social media he tweeted and cryptically a while back, and I'm like, come on, man. Like, you haven't lived up to your ninth overall billing. Although, when you say that, you think about some of the performances he had, like against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving and some other games along the way. He was playing tremendous football last year, and then Von Miller got hurt, and he dipped. And I think that's where it lies with that Oliver, Matt, which is when he has other people around him and he has to be uh, single-teamed, I think he could be dominant and he can really penetrate. 
when he's getting double teamed because you can focus on him, I think that's when he loses a lot of what his value is. So I think that was, to me, a bit of a surprise that he hasn't been able to kind of be that consistent force. And I don't know if he ever necessarily will be. But I think the reason they got it done here and the reason they did this is they are caught between a rock and a hard place, right? Yep. So Ed Oliver is going into the final year of his contract. He was scheduled to make $10.8 million, and that was all going to go against the salary cap. The only way to get rid of that money was either to A, cut him, but then you're going to eat the money. You, I sh- shouldn't say that. If You could cut him, but you wouldn't get rid of the money. Like he's, mm-hmm. He would count that. It's guaranteed. So you're not going to cut him. You know that. The only way to get rid of the money was to trade him. No team was trading for Ed Oliver with one year left on his deal. You could work out and they could sign an extension, but I think that's very rare. Probably wouldn't happen. At that, sta- at that price, they'd have to take it on. So the only other thing they could do to lower his cap number was to sign him to an extension. So I think that was the reason you do this. You lower mm-hmm. his cap number. You say, let's do it. Let's sign him to extension and let's bank on us getting him better and him being better and more consistent. This is not a bad player. He's not a bum by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. We're going to bank on him getting more consistent and better and being a core piece of our defense for a while while we lower his cap number, which to me was the number one reason why you do this. Well, and I also think when you talk about a player, he's 25 years old. So he is still entering the prime of his career. And we've talked about it on the podcast several times. They did not have a defensive tackle signed for the future. After this season, all of these guys came off of the books. Their best defensive tackle is Ed Oliver. Now, there's other guys who really make an impact. But Ed Oliver, if you were looking down the road and you were like, okay, you can keep one of the – take the money out of it. And obviously, he costs a lot. You would say, okay, we would want to keep Ed Oliver because of the age and because of the potential that's there. I like the player a lot. But now that he has this contract tied to him, I think we need to see – it doesn't need to be like a drastic leap because that would mean that he's not a very good player. And I don't agree with that, but I think we need to see a small step in the right direction of a little bit more consistently flashing a little bit more consistent producing because at that money, you don't have to be a game wrecker, but you have to be somebody that impacts the game consistently. And with Von Miller there, he was doing that when Von Miller got hurt in the Detroit game, he took over that game. He was maybe their best player in that game. After that, though, the defensive line really as a whole slipped a little bit. Also, don't overlook the fact that now that Sean McDermott is kind of calling the shots defensively, I'm sure that he was very involved with these contract negotiations and saying, like, this is a player we need to have here. This is a player we need to be building around. I mean, this is a lot of money they just gave this guy. Like, this money, it's not a perfect comparison, but you could have used it to sign Tremaine Edmonds. and. You didn't. You ended up going with Ed Oliver. So clearly they think there's a lot of value there, and they also value the position. It's a really good point you just made about McDermott. Not direct negotiations with the agent, but you're right. Yeah. I'm sure he has voice had a lot of influence on what the player is going forward and where he is in his career and what, how they're going to use him, right? So I think it's a really good point because we don't know. Maybe they do have a different plan for him, and McDermott feels that there's something about this defense that will really allow him to flash even more and be more consistent. So we'll see where that goes. But you brought up the money. Talk about where he lands. This is this is a little bit of massaging some numbers, too. So let's talk about that. Let's get into it and talk about his his numbers and where this goes and where this leads the team. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our 
fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, like Sale mentioned, at this point, the point that we are recording the podcast, the team has not officially announced the deal, and the money remains up in the air. I can tell you, though, I've confirmed with the league source, that the reporting from Adam Schefter, those numbers are correct, and that the deal is going to be signed sometime in the near future. That could be early in the week. That could be midweek. We don't really know yet. My guess, just strictly a guess, probably happens before they're back on the field and we're there, which is on Tuesday, because I'm guessing that we're going to probably have a chance to talk to the guy on Tuesday and he's going to be a really, really rich dude. When ah, we have the conversation really happy. Yeah. So now we need to figure out where is the money and how is it spread out over the entire length of the contract? And also what impact this has on the salary cap now and how much flexibility this ultimately gives the bills, because that's another thing here. I see this, I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I'm just saying I see this deal and I immediately go, ooh, they must want to add somebody. Now, the name that everybody is going to jump to is a certain wide receiver who has played for Houston and Arizona. I don't think they opened up nearly enough space to go get that player, but they opened probably enough space to add another player or two. Those could be depth guys, those could be rotational players, or you could go out and try and add Obviously, we're not talking about the same position, but a player like Puna Ford or a player like Brandon Shell, like veterans who have starting experience who should contribute to this team that you don't currently have on your roster. So I really do think, even though we know Ed Oliver is sticking around, I feel like now we need to wait and see what the money looks like. So I want to go back to last December when the Bills restructured Tredavious White's contract. Yep. At the time, there was a lot of talk about Odell. Odell was still out there. Are the Bills going to sign Odell? And the Bills cleared about, they cleared some cap space, a few million dollars with mm-hmm. a Tredavious White restructure, base salary turned into signing bonus. And it was made clear to me at the time, it's not because of Odell. Like, the reason they're doing this is they have to have operational costs going forward. They have to have enough money for guys who get injured and IR and replacing them on the roster. Mm -hmm. And then you never know. You got to sign a guy, bring him back to the roster, right? With Cole Beasley, John Brown at the end of the year, right? Guys like that. I want to be cautious with this, Matt, and say, I think this could also just be for operational costs. What we know is the bills have about going into this about $2 million, right? Give or take, they'd have about $2 million in cap space Mm -hmm. before we know about the Ed Oliver extension. Let's say they clear up even five or six. Okay, that's nice, but now they can go into the season with seven, eight million dollars in cap space, and that's your play money to say if something happens, we have it available. 
We have this slush fund for injury replacement costs and things mm-hmm. like that. But you're right. There's got to be somebody else that's going to, there's going to be somebody that shakes loose from the post June one tree, a pass rusher, someone, and you can go, oh, you know what? We can add that guy. So I agree with you that it is probably for that. And we shouldn't go down the DeAndre Hopkins road too far. But I also don't want to close the door on DeAndre Hopkins. You mm-hmm. never know. Maybe that is something the Bills want to ultimately do. And I think we forget sometimes that people don't understand how all of a sudden he's making $11 million. He has an extension for all this money and it's lowering the cap. Well, here's the reason. So everybody understands. Mm-hmm. Ed Oliver had one year left on his deal. He was going to make $10.8 million on that deal. That's all he had left. So all of it's got to be paid this year by extending him for four years. Now he has five years left in his deal. The bills can take all of the money that he's going to make coming up and all the money this year, put it together essentially and spread it out in future years. They don't have to pay him now. They can pay him a little bit later. They can structure it a certain way. So what they can do is lower that cap hit, give them more money later. It's reported $68 million, 45 guaranteed. That's the number that matters. The 45 guaranteed is the number that matters. Don't focus on the 17 a year, $68 million extension. Mm-hmm. Matt, to me, when I hear 45 guaranteed, it's 11 a year. That's what it is. You're getting, you're giving them 11 a year, and then maybe we'll see after that, depending on how he performs, how the rest of it shakes out. Yeah, and with the co- with the cap in the NFL, every year there is substantial growth in the cap. Yes. Now, you do not want to pigeonhole yourself where you are always trying to create space, but it's also – kind of a smart gamble for a front office to say like, okay, we don't want to kick the can down too far where we hurt ourselves. But if we're going to kick it down the road a little bit, we know we will have more wiggle room moving forward. And the bills can kind of operate that way now because they know really their main players, their major players are really all under contract. I think the biggest kind of question mark moving forward is Gabe. It's do you have Gabe or do you not have Gabe? Honestly, though, when I saw the tweet from Adam Schefter and I'm sitting there, I just saw it quickly. The first thing I thought was Gabe. Like you see like the Buffalo Bills have extended and I go Gabe Davis and then you read it and it's at Oliver. So I was a bit surprised that I met, like I mentioned earlier, that it ended up being Oliver. But given the reasons that we've said and what the money ultimately will probably end up looking like and that they didn't have another defensive tackle on their roster for next season – I think it can start to kind of make more and more sense why they ended up doing this. And can I also, you mentioned you don't want to close the door on DeAndre Hopkins. There has been another name rumored to the Bills that I would like to close the door on. I don't think the Bills need to have any interest in Delvin Cook whatsoever. I don't think that they're, I don't think that makes any sense. The only way would be if Dalvin really, 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 really wants to like fulfill a bucket list and play with his brother and say, I'll go there for the veteran minimum. Okay. Then you can, and then we'll see what happens. And if you don't make the team, you can be on the practice squad and be with your brother every day. Right. I mean, like that's what you can do. Right. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think he's this player he used to be. I'm not interested in that. It's running back. Yeah, I, I agree 100% about that. He's a good player, but with the way the bills are made up and having Josh Allen, you're adding Delvin Cook. Like any team that's adding Delvin Cook is adding him to give him the ball, at least in some capacity. So like the other team that I keep seeing thrown around is the Bills and the Dolphins. And if I'm a Bills fan, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you want to go at Delvin Cook? I'd rather you guys hand it off to Delvin Cook than be throwing it to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. That's like, right. That almost feels like subtraction by addition. And I don't mean to disrespect Delvin Cook or anything like that. It's just like when you have a team with an elite quarterback, you should want your quarterback touching the ball and throwing the ball as much as humanly possible. No, so if, if I'm the Bills, I'd, yeah, no thank you. Thanks, his but numbers no haven't been that great, to be honest with you. He had two big runs last year. One was against the Bills. Yeah, that kind of sparked, the, that sparked the, the comeback. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, 
is you're right. He, maybe he's got a little bit left in the tank. It's nothing that I'd be too threatened by. Put him on the Dolphins. I think the Bills are just fine. You can defend Delvin Cook, like you said, a little bit uh, maybe more easily than you could defend Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Let's talk about Gabe, though. Does this contract extension, here's my question. Here's, here's what I've been thinking about. Did they make this deal to lower the cap number to allow them to be creative to extend Gabe Davis? Does the contract extension for Ed Oliver impact a possible contract extension for Gabe Davis, either positively or negatively? Meaning, does it make it easier to say, now we can do a little bit with Gabe, we can give him more money up front, and we can make this work? Or do you think it makes it less likely they extend Gabe Davis because now they just gave this money to Ed Oliver for the next four years? That's a good question. I don't have a firm answer either way. I wish I did. I still think that there is a future for Gabe Davis on this team. It's a lot of money, though. And now you would be doling out a lot of money to a lot of different people. That being said, though, if you can make it work, like Gabe Davis is a player, I think, that you want around a lot because of his potential and also because of his age. A little bit like Ed Oliver, but I think I might argue that take where they were drafted out of it, I think Gabe has been a more productive player than Ed has at their respective positions. And when you look at it that way, I go, okay, yeah, it makes no, it makes a ton of sense. But if you're the bills and you're like, we can't afford this, he's going to go get $15 million a year. Then I think we go into an off season like we did this past year where it's like, okay, draft wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, the luxury of having Stefan Diggs, I think gives you a little bit more flexibility here because you're not necessarily looking for your number one wide receiver. You're looking for your number two wide receiver. And I think you feel a little bit more comfortable about that. Honestly, the team that I look at, and it's not a perfect comparison because it's a little bit of a different position. I look at the chiefs, like the chiefs have had to let good players go at wide receiver. Like you had Juju who came in for a year. He has a pretty solid year and he let him walk. And same thing. You had Tyree kill and you were like, yeah, we're just not going to be able to afford this guy. We're going to trade him because their primary target in the passing game is Travis Kelsey. The Bills' primary target in the passing game is Stephon Diggs. And eventually, at some point, you're going to have to let good players walk. And it's honestly, it's what they did with Cole Beasley before they brought Cole Beasley back. They saw him start to slip, and they were like, listen, we like you, but we don't like you at that number. They let him walk, and it ultimately was a really smart move. That's not going to happen with Gabe because his best football is ahead of him. But – I don't know. I don't have a firm answer either way that I feel more likely or less likely that he ends up getting a contract extension. Yeah. I think they really like him a lot. I think they'd love to have him in Buffalo. I know Gabe wants to stay in Buffalo, um, but man, I always, I think about positional value Do the bills really want to go that high and be paying two wide receivers that money, especially after they already restructured Stefan Diggs and his cap number is pretty large over the last couple of years. There's really nothing you could do with that. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, Stefan's not getting any younger. Right. And he's already over mm -hmm. the age of 30 and you're thinking, okay, but, if you if you if Stefan as he's getting older, and then if you let Gabe walk, what do you have? What do you what do you what are you sitting here with? You got guys that are filling in, Sherfield, Hardy. These aren't guys that are taking over those roles. Um, so I I agree with your original statement that said I think there's a future for Gabe Davis and Buffalo. I think the money just has to match. What is Gabe looking for? Is he looking for 20 million a year? I think you're out on that. You get him for 12, 13 a year, maybe that's what you do, right? Something like that. I don't know. It's gonna be a tough one. I know Bills fans' reaction to Ed Oliver was not super positive when they when they signed him, right? You get it on social media. I do as mm -hmm. well. People really kind of skeptical of it at that number. If they did Gabe Davis tomorrow for 12-13, you'd get the same thing from Bills fans. But Brandon Bean has maintained, con been consistent and said, look, 
We're trying to stay in this thing. We're trying to, you know, go at it every year. We want to keep this core together. We want to have these good players. There are certain players they love to have. I think Gabe is one of those players. So I'm really interested how this winds up for Gabe Davis as we go forward in the offseason. Do you think, let me ask you this, to follow up with the question that you asked me. Do you think, he? let's just kind of assume that there's not an extension that happens between now and the start of the season. Do you think that makes it more or less likely he comes? Well, obviously it makes it less likely, but do you think that that's a gamble the Bills should be willing to take? Like, do you think they should let him play this season out and see what he does? Because he could play himself into another couple million dollars if he has a strong season. I think if the Bills don't sign Gabe Davis to an extension before the season, that Gabe Davis will be on another team in 2024, no matter what. Wow, really? Yes, and what I shouldn't say no matter what. Unless they're really willing to eat a big number on an, on a um, franchise tag or transition tag because he just blows up, right? Yeah. Like that would be the only way. I think once you get to the season, if Gabe Davis isn't extended, I don't know if Gabe Davis is going to sit there and go, "Okay, I'm going to play." I think Gabe Davis then says, "I'm playing here for my resume for 31 other teams." That's funny. Gabe is such a polarizing player. We've shared our opinions on him as the player, but I was actually literally just at a family friend's birthday party and we were all sitting in the backyard and we were having a conversation about the bills and about football and about Deandre Hopkins and all this stuff, things that people in Buffalo do and Gabe Davis got brought up and the two people I were talking to were not like Gabe Davis people. They're like, you know, he's good, but he's not a true number two. Like, I, I don't agree with that. Like, I think Gabe Davis could be a legitimate. I heard the two. exact same thing from somebody today before a couple hours ago before you and I got on this. I just don't agree with that. And I think because so, my my counterpoint was look at all of Gabe's numbers from last year. They're all better than they were two years ago. And mm-hmm. just because your expectations grew doesn't mean that he was a worse player. It just means that he didn't necessarily meet the expectations that you had set for him. And their argument was, well, of course the numbers grew because he was getting more targets. He was getting more opportunities because he wasn't the number three. So it kind of goes both ways here. I I just think that legitimately, and I've said this before, like if he hits the open market, like I don't think it's out there to think a team would give him like $18 million a year or something crazy. Bill's fans is a really good year this year. I think that's not at all unreasonable. I mean, what did he, I think he had like seven touchdowns last year. I think he had like 800 something yards last year, like for a wide receiver two, those numbers are regardless of the team. Those numbers are impressive. There are probably like three or four catches that you're like, yeah, he needs to make that. But he in big games steps up the Bengals game take out of it because nobody stepped up in that game, but the Dolphins game in the wild card round. Strong game that day, obviously against Kansas City, obviously in the wild card game against the Patriots. Like, there you go. Shout out Lucas Buckley, producer, just sent us this message. 836 yards, seven touchdowns. I said seven and 800, so I was only off by 36 yards. That makes me feel pretty good about this. I think he's a really productive player, and his potential is not through the roof, but he has wide receiver 1B potential for sure. And I just always look at the fact that how they like what they believe in him, how hard he works, the fact that he's available. Um, Sean McDermott just talks so, so glowingly of him. And I know he does of most of his players, all his players, but it's I when you listen different. to him talk about well, different. Yeah, different, isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't it different. feel different when he talks about him? So especially about, Brandon. Especially yes. Brandon. The way Brandon talks about Gabe yes. is like at a really, really high standard. All right. Well, let's um 
let's talk about a couple of moves the Bills did make to kind of clean up this portion of the Bills, and then we'll get to a couple other things. But they did make a couple of roster moves this weekend as well. All right, Brandon Bryant, love the guy for the Bills. Like every time he comes in, he always does something nice, but he just can't really stay on the roster because they're kind of loaded at defensive tackle. That happened again this weekend because the Bills released Brandon Bryant. Maybe he'll be back. We'll see. He might, mm-hmm. could be on the practice squad. But the reason was they signed Brandon Shell, bearing the lead here. Brandon Shell, veteran offensive lineman, comes to the Bills. He did start a handful of games for the Miami Dolphins last year. Another mm-hmm. maybe swing tackle option. But Brandon Shell gets put in that offensive line room. And I think right now, Matt, there's some really good competition yep. beyond the top five, six guys on offensive line. Yeah, I think you look at the position group as a whole this year compared to who they had last year, and you're like, wow, yes, seriously, they have put a big effort into trying to improve the play of the offensive line. Roger Saffold gets brought in last season, and he was coming off of a Pro Bowl year in Tennessee, so I think the expectations from all of us were probably much higher than they should have been just because, you know, you're not watching a ton of offensive line play for a team that isn't the team you cover or the team that you follow. And you're like, Oh, he made a pro bowl. Like he's got to be pretty good. Right. And then he gets here and uh, it did not go according to plan. So Connor McGovern, that should be an upgrade. Obviously you have Osiris Torrance. You think that that's going to, at some point he's going to play a factor. And then I also just think that like Deion Dawkins will be better next year than he was last year. Spencer Brown should be better next year than he was last year. And, oh, by the way, now you have Brandon Shell here. So if Spencer Brown is injured or if he struggles a little bit, the guy started 11 games for the Dolphins last year. He started 72 games in his NFL career. That is not anything to, like, sneeze at. That is legitimate starter potential that he has. And you've got multiple guys now. Like, you have guys who will be on your team who will not start who you feel pretty comfortable about going in. It's him. It's whoever isn't starting at guard, whether that's Torrance or whether that's Bates, we don't know. And then you've got Ike Butker coming back, who you probably yeah. really like. Like, there's some guys I mean, there. Matt, you think about it. Tommy Doyle, David Questenberry. They signed David Edwards. Nick Broker, they drafted. Like, a few of these guys aren't making the team. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sitting here and telling you they're all all, all pros. Yeah. These are guys that – Either, well, Broker's a draft pick, so that's why I throw him in there. But the other guys, they've played in the NFL. They've started in the NFL. Like, these guys can play. That's that's elevating the back end of your roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that when we look at the entire offseason, it wasn't even just the offensive line. They will never say it, but the front office, their actions have clearly shown that they wanted yep. to make sure the offense was better this year, yes. and they wanted to make sure that Josh Allen was better protected and had more weapons. And I think even if you just look at it, if you look at it on paper, I think it's pretty obvious. But if you look at it kind of as a whole of what they've done and how they've set themselves up, like they realized Josh was having to do way too many things last year. So Brandon Shell, another addition. Cool. See what he is. Somebody gets injured. You trust that he could go in and hold down the fort for a little bit. The other move they made was they actually um, signed Marcel Aitman. And now yep. Marcel Aitman, not a big name, but you might know his name because he was actually the number two overall pick, I believe it was, by the XFL. Um, what is it? The St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm looking Battle at the, yep. his Wikipedia page here. You might know more about him than I do, but I know he did play there. Um, he went to college at Oklahoma State. He did have a cup of coffee in the NFL a little bit. He has played with the Raiders, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but last year he was in the XFL, or this past year, I should say, the XFL. Last year he was with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think he played any um, any uh, regular season games. I do want to make a point about him, though. He is 6'4", 216. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think the Bills have also tried to get a little bit bigger at wide receiver this offseason and pass catcher overall. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dalton Kincaid, right? Not a small guy. Marcel Aitman. Remember back when they signed Desmond Patman at the end of last year? They re-signed him. He's a bigger guy. And they also drafted Justin Shorter, who, contrary to his last name, he is a bigger guy. I think there's something to be said for them and their approach at pass catcher this year. Yeah, I think so, too. It can kind of go both ways. I always heard growing up that you need big wide receivers because their catch radius is bigger and they can win contested balls and jump balls and all this stuff. And then once I started to cover football more and talk to like really smart football people, they're like, size doesn't really matter if you can get open because if you can get like get around people and create a bigger window for yourself, like an NFL quarterback is going to be able to hit that throw every single time. So then that kind of was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why this team has always got like John Brown and Cole Beasley and these trying to quick shifty guys because you're like, well, if they can get separation, we trust that our quarterback's going to get them the ball, and then their size really doesn't matter. Now I think they're looking for a blend of that because you brought in guys like Deontay Hardy. You have these weapons like Naheem Hines and Stefan Diggs who aren't huge, but you know that they're going to be able to make plays. You don't have that true just like big mismatched guy that you can line up outside you've been using Gabe for it but he's even I think six two so he's not a massive massive wide receiver I think this just gives you a little bit of a mismatch like in he's probably not going to make the team but maybe you're talking about Justin Shorter or something down the road where it's like yeah listen like you can try and put a small corner on him but we're going to attack you if you do because you know we know you're really paying attention to our other weapons. Like you're not obviously really concerned if you roll out a team that's got Kincaid, Knox, Diggs, and Gabe Davis and Justin Shorter. You're probably thinking the least about Shorter. And maybe that could be a matchup that you could win. Braden Johnson was the player the Bills made in the corresponding move the Bills released when they signed Aitman. They have to do that now. Every time they bring a player in, they got to have a guy out because they're at the maximum of 90 players. The team will be back on the field for OTAs this week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm sorry, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Sorry about that. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then the following week is mandatory minicamp. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's the first time I think we'll probably see Stefan Diggs. I don't expect him this week, but you never know. But mm-hmm. we'll um, you know, keep everybody updated on that. In the meantime, the Bills have some off-field business that's going on on Monday. The new stadium groundbreaking ceremony is taking place. This is when all the political figures get together with all the Bills people. And, yeah, you're going to have Terry Bagula there and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and Ron Rakuya, but you're going to have politicians and you'll get the county executive. I think the governor is going to be there and the media is going to be covering it and everybody's going to have their gold shovel and their hard hat. But yep. it's going to be cool to know that this is where the Bills will be playing starting in 2026. Let me get your opinion on this, okay? This is yeah. an inter- This is an interesting one. So my paternity leave has started again. Ooh. I am on leave. Okay. That being said, kind of feel like I should be at the groundbreaking. <laughs> so I called my boss. Okay. I was like, what do you think? And he was like, we got it handled. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. But I still think I'm going to go. I feel like that's an event – that I should be at. So I say this, I, I'm going to go like that. That is my plan. Are you going to go and work? No, I'm just going to go. I mean, like I'll go. And if they ask me to do something quick, I'm not going to like dedicate my day to this by any stretch, okay. but I think I'm going to go and make sure that, you know, I have the conversations with the people that I need to have conversations with. Cause they don't know I'm on paternity leave. Like the people with the bills and the people with, you know, the county, they, they don't know that Mapo Bay is on paternity leave. I, so, 
So I, I, feel- I don't know. It's, it's, I'm the same way as you, Matt. I'm the same way. I would want to go. I'd want to be there in your situation. Like, no, come on, new stadium. Like, I know I'm not working. Um, I've had people tell me, hey, when you're not working, don't work. Because then they'll always get you to work when you, when you say you're not working and you're supposed to be off. But you know what? We're just, we're just wired differently. I think a lot of people listening are that way. And this is our livelihood and what we – it's a cool event. Like you said, it's something we grew up with. It's a new stadium. It's a super cool thing. So I think that your approach is right, which is, hey, go there watch it, say you were there, take some pictures. If your station wants you to contribute a little bit, that's fine. But don't go out of your way to say, I'm working today. Yeah, I I kind of agree. And I kind of have the same approach. I just think there is really, regardless of the industry that you're in, I think there is a lot of value in just being visible. Like, I think that you need to be at things, you need to show up, you need to make relationships with people. And even if it's going to take me two or three hours out of the day, you know, God willing, I'm not missing anything crazy that's going on. And I'll be able to still be home by 1130 noon and hang out with my baby. So bring that's your daughter. Kind of, oh, yeah. You know what? Maybe if they let if you they, were at the groundbreaking. Yes. There. I would be cool to like bring her to the groundbreaking at three months and then bring her to the new stadium when she's a couple of yes. years old and be like, you were here when they put the first yes. shovels into the ground. Isn't that amazing? You know? See? Yeah. You that'd be cool. Like that. That'd be that'd be a pretty cool deal. So. It's cool. I look, I, I know this isn't like for everyone and people are like, okay, well, it's you know, new stadium is going to take a while. I get it. I'll be honest with you. I think it's super cool. Every time I'm at the stadium, I look over across the street where they're building it and I see a little something different. And I just, I, I, I like that. I like seeing like the kind of the progress of it and what it's going to be and envisioning it and along the way, what it's going to look like. We're going to be down there a lot. So, you know, if people are going to go down there, I don't know what the deal is. If people aren't part of the media or whatever, I'm sure you can be around there in some capacity, but it's going to be covered, of course, on Channel 7, WGR. We're going to carry actually everything live on WBEN on Monday morning as well. That and I know sense. you guys on Channel 7 are going to have some stuff as well. And if you're going to be online and you're going to be down there as well. Yeah, so that- that's the nice thing about, I think this is an event. So we've got a sports department and then obviously we've got a news department. This one kind of falls in the gray area. So I think this is the perfect assignment for Jeff Russo, who used to have my job, but is now a news anchor. So this is perfect because he can check both boxes. He can look at it from the news news angle and he can look at it from the sports angle. And, um, and I'll be down there, you know, for WGR, I'll be going live with, um, Jody Biasi uh, in the morning who's filling in for Jeremy who's on vacation in the morning, but I won't be like hosting the show, but I'll kind of do a little live hit. So same thing, you know, you're kind of caught in this space because uh, it's, it's WBEN's carrying it, but either way, just want everybody to know you're covered. All right. Speaking of channel seven, speaking of your colleagues, I had the pleasure of playing with one Brianna Aldridge in the <laughs> Buffalo bills media golf outing last Friday. It was awesome. And Oh, by the way, I also played with Dawson Knox and Spencer Brown, but Brianna was the superstar. It was like her second time ever playing golf. And I'm like, but Brianna, you're an athlete, right? She's like, yeah, I played college volleyball. I'm like, yeah, you'll be fine. And she was like, Matt, by the end of the round, like she's smashing her drive. You know, it's like, come on, Uh are you kidding me? I wish I could have picked up the game uh, that quickly, but honestly, great job by the bills PR staff to put it together as they always do. I got a chance to play with Dawson Knox and Spencer Brown. They were terrific to play with. And Spencer Brown, now they both can crush it. Spencer Brown can really crush a golf ball, but here's what's surprising. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he has also a very good short game for a really big guy. I think if Spencer Brown wanted to really shoot for score, he could probably be a low 80s guy. Really? Okay. That's cool. I I would imagine that they hit the ball very far. Also, shout out to Brianna because she didn't just play college volleyball. She also played college softball. 
you multi, see multi-sport college athlete. So I think that's what it was, right? Unless I, unless I messed that up. I know she played volleyball, but I know well, when she got to college, she was an athlete. So yeah, she was really good at both. Yeah. She's, she's an athlete regardless. Yes. Yeah. It's a super cool event. And it's just, that's another thing where you talk about like being visible. Like it's an, it's a net you're there to network. You're there to have relationships with people and to get to know the people who you work with, but maybe you don't know a lot. And that's why I think it's so valuable because you see these people all the time but you see them across the field. You see them across the hall and you might not know exactly who they are or what their role is or what they do. And I think that helps, you know, everybody's jobs a little bit at the end of the day. So yeah, it was an awesome event and it's always cool to be invited to that. How'd you shoot? Not well. We shot two under, I think was the score, which wasn't even close to the winning score, which was Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, uh, Kevin Megane, uh dan fates and matt perino i think they're the team that yeah. won and they were yeah. nine, they were nine under brand, i i still really feel good. bad that last year i was with brandon bean and we did not win and i, I every year we have to remind each other like i can't believe we didn't win like we were together last year we didn't win and this guy wins it every year the one year he doesn't win is with me and i feel like i held him back you know i don't think it's I true because we all didn't play that great but who did you mm-hmm. play with i played with terrence gray director yeah. of player personnel great i guy, played yeah. I play with Terrence legitimately. I don't know how long they've been doing the tournament. I think I've played with Terrence four times. One of them was with you. One of yes. them was with you. Yes, yes, And yeah. I joked with Terrence. I was like, either you keep requesting to play with me or they're like punishing you by putting you with me. And he, I you know, I, I, I really like him. And I also played with Andy Major, who, oh, is, you know, yes. game day operations does so much over oh there. Oh my gosh. Game. So just really cool. And I played with Patrick Hammer, the meteorologist oh, from yeah. channel two. So we had, we had yacht rock going in the cart and we were having yes. a good time. It was really fun. We had a great time. And um, it's, I'm glad the, um, the bills do that. And, uh, you know, give us a chance to kind of connect, like you said, with everyone. All right. So you're going on paternity leave. What does that mean? What does that look like? What are you doing as a on paternity leave? Anything special? I'm, yeah. I'm going to drink coffee out of this mug that was sent to me. My yes. look at that transition. Da, 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 I should take a bow. Uh, shout out to Job, the president of the Tulsa bills backers bar. He sent me this awesome mug with a really, really cool bills logo on it. So it now goes on the bookshelf behind me as I knock down the little dog there. Uh, so yeah, shout out to him. Thank you. I appreciate it. Also, thank you for watching and listening because that's how you knew in the first place, how I was like collecting the mugs on the bookshelf behind me. So I am going to be drinking coffee out of that mug. I will be golfing more still. Hey, not a lot. Hey, did you give me my mug yet from the Vancouver bills backers? No, but I'm glad you reminded me because it's on my counter yeah. upstairs. So thank I can you, bring pal. it to you. Bring so I will be golfing more, but still not nearly a lot, like enough for me because, you know, I have a child at home. <laughs> yes. And honestly, we're going to use the time to just try and be outside as much as possible oh, like with it. the baby. Oh. Like yard work, great. We can do that. We can put the baby in the stroller. We can sit there. Yeah. Yeah. We can mulch. We can do things. And it'll just honestly be nice to – I don't want to say get into a routine again because I've been in a routine going to work and kind of like juggling everything that's going on, but also, you know – give my wife a little bit of a break of like not always having to be the one that wakes up in the middle of the night and you know hey you can sleep in this morning i'll wake up with the baby and just you know try and spend more family time so it'll be cool love it man love it well listen everybody uh matt while he's on paternity leave isn't going to go far away from us we're still no i'm still going to do it yeah 
That's right. We're going to be here. We're going to make him work. All right. But uh, no, he said he's cool with that. And you know, man, if you ever not want to do it, we're going to be covering you here because we want you to spend as much time with you can as you can with your uh, wife and your daughter. So, you know, if that's if that's the case, that's the case. And Lucas and I will hold the fort down here together because Lucas Buckley does a great job as our producer. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you guys saying that. But like I've said before, I enjoy this. This is fun. I like yeah. talking to you. I like talking to Lucas when we're doing the stuff before the show. I like just having conversations about this stuff. I also think it keeps me informed with yeah. everything that I need to know for my permanent job, my full-time job over at channel seven. So it, it, everybody help everybody. All right. So maybe you're listening to us. That's great. You found us through iTunes, through Spotify, through the Odyssey app, WGR 550. Thank you so much. Wherever you found us, we appreciate it. Maybe you're watching us. You found us on the YouTube page, Sal Sports on YouTube. If you found us Hello. one way, you still have the other way. You can watch us. You can listen to us. We appreciate everybody that's coming our way. Getting a lot of new listeners all the time. We're getting into the thick of the offseason here. We got another week, two weeks left of the Bills on the field doing some stuff. And then it's the what they call dead period before training camp. We're going to have a lot to cover before then as well. All right, Matt, you got anything else before we want to get out of here? No. Congrats to the Bandits. Congrats Thanks. on the championship. Yep. Good for you guys. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Lucas Buckley, our producer, always doing a great job. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thank you for listening.